Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Alyssa and Caleb, with our worship uh, camp, Mueller uh, worship camp over this last three or four days and so on. I think it's left the team fairly tired, so I appreciate them uh, leading us this morning. Living in, uh, living in Phnom Penh in Cambodia, one time I decided I would head across to the Australian Embassy and I would join in uh, for an Australia Day event that they had there, barbecue or whatever. So I headed over across the other side of town it was and there's a fair bit of security to get into the Australian Embassy but uh, once you got all past that I walked into this sort of open space there and there's groups of people that are just standing around and I knew nobody. Nobody. And that's not... That's not normally a daunting space for me. For some, uh, it would be. So um, I'm standing there and uh, groups of people are over there and there's groups of people over there and there's a barbecue sort of happening there and just sort of... <laughs> yep. Right. OK, these are Aussies. We're supposed to be friendly. Um, I don't even know how this works. And it was like I'd busted into somebody's private party. The embassy staff, the business people, they all knew each other, got beer in their hand and that sort of stuff. And I thought, well, let's go and start with a snag. Can't go wrong there. So I walked over to the barbecue and I said, yeah, it'd be good if we have a sausage here. Hiya. Uh, she said, have you, got your, have you got your billabong pass? I said, what's a billabong pass? Well, it's two bucks for a sausage and two bucks for a drink. Go over and see Julie over there and get your billabong pass. I thought, mate, I'm at the blinking Aussie. Australian Embassy for a barbecue and I'm having to fork out two US dollars for a snack. <laughs> so I walk over to Julie and who knows who Julie is and part with me dollars and come over there and, and, uh, and get my snag and get my drink and it's still uh, Dave, Nigel, no friends. There's just sort of no engagement happening. and One guy sitting over there by himself. Okay. I'll just make my way over there, sit down with this chap, started talking. Let me just say he was from a very different moral framework than mine. But that's okay. This wasn't a church setting. This was an embassy setting. I probably sat next to the weirdest person in that whole room. It's probably why he was by himself. He probably thought the same thing. He's probably telling his story. <laughs> I'm sitting down there. This Aussie came in. He didn't even know how to buy a snag at the embassy, you know. And then what does he do? He comes and sits with me. So there's only so much conversation that you can get out of that. I'll always aim for common areas of conversation. We had none, zero, zilch. Sort of walked around and sort of waved at people. You've seen those pictures where people are like dancing in the middle of the dance floor all by themselves, and they're just doing their own little groove thing. In the end, I thought, oh, well, that's it. That's Australia Day. I'll get in my vehicle and I will drive home. And I thought, well, wasn't that a miserable experience? That was me tax dollars working for me in a very significant way. But I just wonder um, whether church looks like that for some people. Completely unfamiliar territory. Don't know the language. I had somebody say to me the other day, what? You make a... 
you make a barista coffee and don't charge for it? I said, no, it's church. I said, well, we charge for ours. And I just wonder how many people connect in with our environment in something that's totally familiar. We can't even get level six, five, four. We don't even know what floor we're on. <laughs> Who knows where the bathrooms are? Uh, even in a facility like this, this is a complex space. And to the unfamiliar, I saw someone last week just standing in that doorway there. Uh, the person had sat next to her husband and she couldn't find a seat. And it was just looking awkward. Robin and I went to a mega church in Southern California once and we're sitting up in all these teed seating with 5,000 other people and then the classic line comes out, turn to somebody near you, which is the cringe moment for all introverts, and say hi. So Robin and I turned to this lady and she goes, ooh, I've just painted me nails. <laughs> hi. Okay, we'll just keep our hands over here. I'm not going to shake hands with you. welcoming and we were praying this morning and as we were praying out here a lady had ridden in on her bike from D-Bay and just needed something from our community cupboard why should we be a welcoming church what does it mean to be a welcoming church on the screen should have uh, the next picture there our vision statement which is our by 2033, this can be said of Mueller Community Church, we trust and pray that by 2033, this can be said of Mueller Community Church, we are a welcoming Christian community who love, nurture and encourage one another, committed to lives of prayer, faith and sacrifice. So we said that as one of our goals for 10 years away, but what, is it, what does it actually mean? We are a welcoming community. There is no doubt about it, first impressions... Uh, do count. Acceptance, care, community. Some have said the process is belong, believe, behave. But here's the thing, the whole church needs to be engaged in this. Not just the welcoming team, not Barry and his team. It's the whole church thing. We gather, we come, we hear, we see. We're a worshipping church. We look at, we'll see that uh, next week when Timon comes out. Uh, but unbelievers, there'll be those who are not Christians, will at, from time to time come in and engage in this space here. We go, we show, we tell. We're a witnessing church and people come back and look at this one, that one. But this morning I want us to just consider just uh, a few things as to why we should be a welcoming church. And I want us to firstly look at the example of Jesus. That's a great place to start. I want us to look at the example of the early church and I want us to look at the implications for us here at MCC. Why we should be a welcoming church, the example of Jesus. Let me start with Luke chapter 9 and I've got the first two verses there and then verses 6 and 7. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure sicknesses. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Just note that. So, verse 6, so they, sent, so they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Now, Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was going on. 
Jesus sends out his disciples. He sends them out on a short-term mission and they had two tasks. They were to proclaim the kingdom of God and they were to heal the sick, proclaiming and providing. And I think there's a good model there for us as a church. The two things we should be about, proclaiming and providing. We'll come back and, and unpack that a little bit more. They're so effective in what they're doing that even Herod, the Tetrarch, the king, had heard about it and wanted more information as to what was going on in his little kingdom. Uh, let's keep going down. Luke 9, verses 10 11. So when the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. So they come back from their short-term mission and having done an, enough of these uh, over uh, you know, a married life and so on, an important part of a short-term mission is the debrief, the getting together, that quiet space where you reflect and work on the things that have been said and done. This was an opportunity uh, for the disciples to be able to do that. Uh, maybe for some rest, for this debrief, whatever it might be, they, they pulled apart for a, a while. But look at verse 11. But the crowds learned about it and they followed him, Jesus. Look what it says. He welcomed them. He welcomed them. And he spoke to them about the kingdom of God. There it is, proclamation, proclaiming. And he healed those who were needing healing. The equivalent passage, Mark 6 says, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. So here they are, they're withdrawing. This is probably rightful and appropriate time that the disciples were going to enjoy with Jesus and this crowd were following and Jesus welcomed them. He wasn't too tired for them. It wasn't inappropriate timing or whatever that we could have thought to it. Just think of his response. He welcomed them. He saw them as sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion for them. He had compassion on them. Look at his response there, and I think uh, we can glean something from that. Keep going. Luke chapter 9, verses 12 to 13. Late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him. They'd just been going now all day. They'd gone through the withdraw bit. That didn't really happen. The crowd followed. Jesus welcomed them. He's teaching them. He's healing them. They'd been there all day. It's now afternoon, and, and, uh, and they come and, and the disciples said to Jesus, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and the countryside and find food and lodging because we're in a remote place here. And Jesus replied in verse 13, You give them something to eat. Great line there. Jesus is concerned that they had been with him so long. And they hadn't eaten, and he, and he challenges the disciples to go and feed uh, and uh, to feed them. And I think there's a connection there between welcoming and hospitality. And again, we'll come back and, uh, and look at that. Luke 15, 1 and 2 says, Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered. You could hear it. You can, you can almost hear it being said. This man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. He doesn't fit our social framework. Luke 7.34, the Son of Man came, Jesus saying, came eating and drinking. You say he's a glutton and drunkard. He's a friend of tax collectors and sinners. What was interesting is Jesus prepared to welcome people even uh, though it had the potential, and it did, to even damage his reputation. He put himself out 
and he befriended people. Not just the poor, the needy, the tax collectors and sinners. He befriended religious leaders and so on. Nicodemus come to him at night and has a dialogue. He was known as a friend of sinners. The way that he come alongside people, the way that he welcomed people, the way that he demonstrated compassion and care, I think is a wonderful example uh, for us to take note of. And of course, I think one of the... Uh, a significant welcome mat, if you want to call it a welcome mat, is found in Matthew 11, verses 38 and 39. Come to me, all you who are weary, we've even been singing about it this morning, and burden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How's that for a welcome mat? All those who are weary and burdened. What does it look like to be a welcoming church? Well, we start with Jesus. Because he welcomed people into his circle, into times that were inconvenient, into times that were, that were tiring. But he reached out in compassion to these people. Let's consider the early church. In fact, there is a command to welcome. Five times at the end of the epistles, Romans, Corinthians, Thessalonians, Peter, it says, greet each other with a holy kiss, or Peter says, a kiss of love. How do we do with that? Well, Roland, I, Jeff, we've been to Kazakhstan. Guess what? They greet you with a holy kiss. Constantine, for those who may remember him, great big bloke, come up to you and mwah, mwah, like that. Very biblical. Well, we don't head down that path because there's a cultural aspect. Middle East is the same. They would do that. But it's interesting, the greeting there was a commanded greeting. Now, we do it, we may do it as a handshake, we might do it as a bit of a hug or whatever like that, but there's something identifiable there in the greeting and both Paul and Peter are actually writing that. Alyssa's already referred to it this morning though, Romans 15 verse 7, and we will unpack this when it comes to looking at some application for ourselves. But this is to the early church and Paul writes, therefore welcome one another. He's saying that, welcome one another. He's, uh, he's looking at unity and uh, when he comes out there in chapter 15 he says, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. So the early church that sat out there, uh, the, uh, Paul particularly, would encourage the church. You need to be about welcoming people in a variety of different ways. But you know what? They struggled with it. They struggled with it. James 2, 1 to 4 says, My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, uh, must not show favouritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and says, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated amongst yourself and become judges with evil thoughts? There was a problem sitting there and James was addressing it. And in this case, it was the discrimination on the basis of, of wealth and status. Now, having lived in Cambodia for a number of years and so on, you, you see it, 
You see it more prominently because the distance between poverty and, uh, and, and wealth is, is really obvious. It's really significant. But, but James is writing, there's two people coming to your church. Why are you favouring this one over this one? And he's challenging them. We're not to be preferential in our welcoming uh, of one another. Uh, welcoming to the neglect of another. And James is going, that's not on. You can't do that. You can't just go to this one and go, all, you know, throw everything at them and so on like that and neglect the other person. There's something wrong in that. In fact, he says that you become judges with evil thoughts. We are to welcome all equally. So there's some sort of status markers there that he was referring to. In that case, it was wealth. But there can be other markers that we use here for people. It may be based on clothing. It may be based on uh, where they've come from. It may, may be based uh, on a whole range of things. But there's these status markers that we have out there, consciously and unconsciously. There's cultural things that sit out there as well. In those days, Acts chapter 6, verse 1, when the number of disciples is increasing, you've got the Hellenistic Jews. So they were the Jews who were living in the Roman Greek sort of culture and they had culturally adapted to their setting but were still Jewish. Among uh, them who complained against the Hebraic Jews, so those who are still um, uh, would have been speaking the Aramaic and living very much in the Jewish cultural context as well as the Jewish faith because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Interesting that it was actually over food that caused the problem. And there's a conflict that came out of here out of a cultural divide, the, 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 um, the, Hebra the Hebraic Jews and the Hellenistic Jews. It was interesting, when I would sit down with uh, staff for orientation at, uh, in Cambodia at Hope School, we would talk about some of these cultural challenges and I'd say to them, you've actually come here prepared to deal with the cultural challenges of you as a European or whatever uh, to engage with the Cambodian uh, culture and the context and so on. And there's a preparedness for that. But I'll tell you who your probably most significant issues that you will have with, and I'm speaking as an Anglo, your probably most significant issues will probably be with other Anglos. It'll be between the English, the Aussies and the Americans because we have a similarity that runs through the thread of our cultures but we've got enough differences that sit out there that drive each other nuts and you're prepared to give culturally to the Cambodian but you're not prepared to give culturally to the American or the English or whatever like that. And there are all sorts of tensions that came out of that similar but different cultural um, divide. And it becomes an issue. It becomes an issue in the body. It becomes an issue in the church. And some of the things you just... You, I won't even give the examples, but some of the... Just the challenges. I, I have a challenge just with my accent. The Aussie accent. The lazy English Aussie accent. And uh, the misunderstandings that comes out of that, not with the Cambodians, but with the Americans particularly. We need to be welcoming, and I want us to think a bit broader than just visitors who come through that entry there. We need to be welcoming to those who come regularly. There may be people who are in this church and have been here for some period of time who don't feel welcome. Well, that's sad. 
I've been coming here for years. So there's those cultural things. And there's ethnic. Acts 8.14, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God. Samaria. I hated Samaritans. Well, they sent, the Jews did, and they sent Peter and John to Samaria. And down to verse 17, it says there, and Peter and John uh, placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. This is, this is the Samaritans. This was, a, this was a hated group of people, and they were being brought into the kingdom. There's a long-standing hatred between the Jews and uh, Samaritans, and it goes back to the Assyrian captivity. Let's not forget where some of these disciples had come from because in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, as the time approached for Jesus, him, to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. I should be pointing that way. Uh, Where am I? That way. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. And when the disciples, James and John, and John, interesting it's John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? This is the same guys. Call down the fire on these Samaritans. And here they are, Peter and John, they're the ones that are laying hands on these Samaritans. Something as significant is happening in terms of an ethnic uh, coming together. And the Holy Spirit was orchestrating that. In Acts 10, uh, verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. And that cultural stuff sits out there, that ethnic stuff. It's, It's deep, it's embedded. And then Galatians 2, Paul calls out Peter who having been involved in all of that, he says, when I saw that you were not acting in line with the truth of gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? And Paul calls out Peter. Because this is, this is, this is the work of the Holy Spirit that brought all these ethnic groups together and Peter was undoing it. And don't think it's not contemporary. I had a friend I worked with in the Philippines, uh, Bill, he's an Aussie, and uh, he'd led an indigenous uh, uh, brother to the Lord, and he'd taken him over, uh, they'd gone to the US, and, and he was to speak that night at a church in Atlanta in Georgia, and they're going up the stairs there, and the bouncer at the church there, commonly disguised as a deacon, uh, said to Bill, uh, you're welcome, but your friend isn't. Wouldn't let him into the church. And Bill said, well, you're going to need to find another speaker for tonight's service. And the two of them walked away. And it still happens. This stuff is embedded deep in our hearts and our attitudes and our feelings. And don't think it just happens over there in the US. The church struggled with it. From a social perspective, welcoming. From a cultural perspective, welcoming. From an ethnic perspective, welcoming. But what are the implications for us? Let's drag it into the 21st century. Firstly, welcoming others is an expression of the gospel. We've got to understand that. That is the bottom line. It is an expression of the gospel. It doesn't mean passive acceptance or tolerance. It means to actively and personally engage and invite people into our circle. 
It's compelling evidence for our faith. Welcoming is about proclaiming the kingdom of God, which we saw back uh, in the example of Jesus and the disciples. That's spiritual, but it's also about providing um, um, practical care, the physical, the emotional, the two come together. Jesus was involved in both. Uh, The early church was involved in both. The testimony of the early church was both those, but they go together. And this is sometimes where I saw it separated uh, in Cambodia. Sometimes it was just the proclamation of the kingdom, but there wasn't a lot of practical care and help. And sometimes I saw a lot of practical care and help, and there was very little proclamation of the kingdom. But the two have got to come together because they're hand in hand. Luke 5, uh, 19. But, um, but finding no way oh, uh, in, in bringing this verse to you, here's something a little bit different to to think about. Luke 5.19, but finding no way, this is the four guys bringing the paralytic to Jesus, and it says, by finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and they let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. This crowd, these people who were rightfully in that house there before Jesus, had every right to be there and so on like that, but they get to the door and what do they see? People's backs unintentionally blocking a man who had an appointment with Jesus who would both forgive his sins and heal his disability. We never want to be hindering people from coming to the Lord. This man who fortunately had friends who were persistent in getting their friend to Jesus. But let's not be at a place there where and unintentionally it may be that our backs are facing the people. They can't get to Jesus because we're in the road. Back to Romans 15, verse 7. Therefore, welcome one another. We've already referred to that. But here's an expert. As Christ welcomed you. That's why we welcome people. Because it's as Christ has welcomed us. And then he goes on to say, and why? Well, it's for the glory of God. If you want to glorify God, who wants to glorify God? Want to glorify God? Put your hand up. Yep, great. I want to glorify God. Well, welcome others as Christ has welcomed you. Paul had been praying for unity and harmony in this church there in Rome there. So how has Christ welcomed you? Well, think of that hymn, Just As I Am. That's how he's welcomed us. Just as I am without one plea. And in that place we've come to to the cross, as it were. We now, for those who are believers, enjoy reconciliation. We've been cleansed. We've been forgiven. Our lives have been transformed. Christ has welcomed us. Not because of anything in us, but because of what he's done for us. And on the basis of that, we're then to welcome others. And when that happens, it glorifies God. If we believe the gospel is good news for all people, then we want to share it. We are expressing that when we welcome others. There is a welcome to all those who repent and turn towards God and we show our love for Jesus by showing our love towards others. Love, God, and each other. If we ignore or are unwilling to welcome others, then we're not loving one another as we should and there's a credibility gap between what we say and what we do. I'll come back to that. Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female. We are one in Christ Jesus. He acknowledges that there are all these differences out there, yes, but our unity is in Christ. That's our welcome mat. Where do we go with this? I think there's some application for it. Is there a difference between what we believe, what we say, and what we do? 
James says that faith without works is dead. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Our behaviour reveals our beliefs and our beliefs should alter and influence our behaviour. Belief drives behaviour and behaviour displays belief. Welcoming is not about the smile or the handshake. It's about an attitude. Next week when we look at the worshipping church, it's about the heart. It's about the attitude that we come to worship. We need to be welcoming not just to visitors but also to those who come regularly. So how do we respond to that? I just want to give just a couple of pointers in terms of um, a takeaway because we can, we can look at the theology of welcome, we can look at Jesus' example, we can look at the early church example, we can look at the implications it has for us as a church, but so what, where, where do we go with that? Well, consider that metaphorically as our point of entry to the church, well, the front door. Consider that our point of entry. Consider this AM service uh, is different from our Sunday at five, but I'm saying this one here is a point of entry. It's where people engage with this community. Not just here in the morning, but this is one significant way where people engage with this church. We have a welcoming team. And I'll get Barry up here in a minute. Where are you, Barry? Just so you can see who he is. We actually have a welcoming team. That is, the process from there to here is to welcome people. Next week, we'll have a newcomer's morning tea. We want to connect with those who, are part, who want to be part of our church here. What I want to suggest is, though, that from our newcomer's morning tea, then I want to propose we have a newcomer's um, life group, home group, because a, that pathway is important to be able to help get people connected with other people. Otherwise, you're just like at the embassy. You're just walking around in the middle there, uh, not engaging with anybody. I would say those of you that have been visiting and calling, uh, wanting to call Muley your home, we also need to be able to connect with you. We need, we need to know who you are. Um, and that requires all of us to be welcoming. And so to you as the church, if you find newer people here and you find their name or whatever like that, uh, that's helpful for us as a pastoral team that we know that. And if, if you are uh, looking at... Um, calling Mueller your home, then we actually have a digital process where you can connect with us as a pastoral team because we want to connect with you. One of our challenges in this space is we have so many entrance and exits. People can come in here, go out there, go down there, end up in level six and just get lost anyway. <laughs> that's, one, that, that's one point. Mueller Kids Church is, an, uh, is another point of entry because children bring families. That's another connect. Mainly music and playtime is another larger connect here in the life of this church and our youth work and so on. But in all of this, I want to put it out there, it's not just about what happens in this space here because an important part of welcoming is hospitality. COVID killed it. COVID killed hospitality in a sense. Maybe it was done differently. But, and I, but I think coming out of that, we've still got the welcome out mat on, in front of our houses, but it, maybe our doors are still closed. Every stranger is a gift and an opportunity from God. 
Hebrews 13.2 says, Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. 1 Peter 4.9 says, Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Romans 12.13 says, Share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. I've been in some of the poorest villages in Cambodia, and they've demonstrated unbelievable, extravagant hospitality, and you know they can't afford it. They've gone out and killed the one chook and brought it in and given us food touches your heart but we need to be a welcoming church but it also a church is connected to our homes and our homes need to be open we need to be inviting people into them what I would like to be able to see and and we've got Diane here my mum's here and so on like that and but previously there was a time when we could identify people who were new and and visiting and so on and we're in proximity we all lived in proximity to here and would people would come over for lunch and people will often remember that demonstration of hospitality. But it goes to each other as well. What I'd like to do is just get three faces up here so that you can recognise who they are. Um, where's Helen? Got, Helen's going to be coming in shortly, hopefully. There she is. Here's Helen. Let's stand up here beside me, Helen. Diane, can I invite you up here as well? Barry, can I invite you up here as well? I just want you to see three people and then just put out here in terms of um, some suggestions. Okay. Let's start with Barry. This is Barry, everyone. Hi, Baz. <laughs> Barry looks after our welcoming team. Thank you, Barry. And I noticed this morning that um, Brindley and his daughter were up the front there um, welcoming people as they come through. Their first time. Their first time. And, I, and I, because I walked out to get the newsletter, I noticed that. You see, we need people here to make people feel like they're at home. That, that's a simple process, that one. And my wife does it, and she's an introvert. So don't go introvert, extrovert type sort of stuff there. But we are looking for friendly people who will assist Baz in greeting and welcoming people, okay? That's to there. Your job, though, as the church, is what happens out there, okay? The welcoming and so on is, is a team effort. Okay, Helen uh, talked to us about Mueller Kids um, last week and briefly, last week, what do we need? Oh, tell us about last week. This Last week. week was massive in mainly music in particular. We had 70 people in the Mueller kids' room. So that's 38 kids plus their parents, 70 people. We had only a handful of leaders. It was hectic. And my playgroup the day after was similar. Throw in a fire drill and that was even Okay, more so fun. Let's, let's be more specific. You yeah. had three people. You, yes. Shannon and Jenna. And Lynn was there for a time oh, as well. Oh, Lynn. Yes. Thank you, Lynn. Yeah. Okay. Uh, just putting the call out there that this is an entry point to this church and yep. where families come and engage with mainly music and with playtime and so on. We need people who are available during Wednesday mornings and Thursday mornings mm. who are available time-wise to be able to come and engage with families uh, in that setting. So there's something to think about. And I've got Diane up here as well uh, because Diane models... And Earl models hospitality. Now here's the thing, hospitality to many people is scary. To, to, to some they think it's expensive. Diane will be able to unravel those myths, okay? 
she's shown by example and modelling over the years and so on like that, that hospitality is not about the spread. It's not about the entree. It's not about the extravagance. It's not about trying to get the house absolutely spick and span before people enter it and so on like that, but it's about opening your heart. Okay? Why I've got these three people here is because I just want you to see their faces. Talk to Helen about mainly music and playtime. Okay? Because there may be an opportunity of service there. Talk to Diane about hospitality that's achievable by anyone in the church by opening your home. And even now they're still doing it. They have tables of eight. They're getting eight people together, getting people to connect it. And speak to Barry if you think you can do something to be able to help the entry into this place. Thank you. Okay? I wanted you to see those faces. Here's my final thought. If you go onto the church Facebook page of the Christian Church of Mauritius, who's been across there recently? Anyone been to Mauritius? No, you haven't? Okay. If you go across to there, you'll find two pictures uh, on their Facebook page. And it is great. Is church a cruise ship or a battleship? A cruise ship is about being served and waited on by overworked and underpaid staff. Not saying that about us. Uh, consumer mindset. Comfort, enjoyment, fun, entertainment. They're all the goals of a cruise ship, aren't they? Guess what? Church is not a cruise ship. Church is a battleship. A battleship. There are no passengers on a battleship. Everyone has a mission. Everyone is given a specific task. And if everyone completes their task, then they accomplish their mission. Everyone is on mission for Jesus Christ. How well you complete your task will determine how well we accomplish our mission. Our mission, we've said, is love, gather and go. So what does it mean to love each other? What does it mean to gather and to go? Do you know what? It all happens in the context, or one part of it happens in the context of a welcoming church. Are we a welcoming church? Well, we've said that in 10 years' time we want to be known as a welcoming church. But if we don't start laying, and we, we certainly do in many ways, lay out the welcome mat, uh, then that won't be happening there. It needs to be happening now, but it needs to be happening to all of us. Cruise ship or battleship? We're on mission. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for the example of Jesus. Despite tired, despite the right for the disciples to be with him, despite all those things, the crowd were there and he welcomed them. He had compassion on them. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And Lord, the early church, Paul said to you to welcome each other as Christ has welcomed you. Lord, thank you that we've been welcomed into your family and by nature of that, we extend and turn that around towards others. So Lord, I pray that in 2024, that this church will be known as a welcoming church, but not just what happens between the walls of this facility, because it's just a building. At the end of the day, it's about people. But Lord, it'll be what's happening in people's homes. As young people, as families, as older folk, engage with a ministry and a calling upon their lives. Because why? Lord, we're on a battleship. And we each have a task and an assigned duty. Well, we should have. And we need to be about your work and about your mission. And I pray that you would help this church to continue to grow into a welcoming church that demonstrates hospitality. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.